Well, I give thanks that we are singing together, that we are worshiping together, and that we are experiencing this morning together. You know, I was talking to someone earlier this week um, who said that the whole chat thing online has been interesting. And it is, it's different. It's not something we're used to, to be able to talk during worship. Normally that's frowned upon. But if you think about it, this is literally the only time that we're all together. Sure, we can post on Facebook and Instagram and other ways at different times throughout the day or the week. But in this moment, we are worshiping together. And so feel free to chat away. Feel free to be able to say amen by by clicking the heart or the emoji that best represents how you're feeling. Because this is our chance to interact with one another while we're apart. And so with that in mind, let us go to scripture together this morning. We are in a new series called the other person where we are discerning who the Holy Spirit is and how the Holy Spirit is at work in our lives. And so we're journeying for the next couple of weeks through the book of Acts. Last week, we started in the very beginning of Acts. Today, we're gonna jump ahead to chapter 10, verses one through 22. It's a longer text, so stay with me because it's a really good story. Here we go. At Caesarea, there is a man named Cornelius a centurion in what was known as the Italian regiment. He and his family were devout, God-fearing. He gave generously to those in need and prayed to God regularly. One day, about three in the afternoon, he had a vision. He distinctly saw an angel of God who came to him and said, Cornelius. Cornelius stared at him in fear. What is it, Lord? He asked. The angel answered, Your prayers and gifts to the poor have come up as a memorial offering before God. Now send men to Joppa to bring back a man named Simon, who is called Peter. He is staying with Simon the Tanner, whose house is by the sea. When the angel who spoke to him had gone, Cornelius called out two of his servants and a devout soldier who was one of his attendants. He told them everything that had happened and sent them to Joppa. About noon the following day, as they were on the journey and approaching the city, Peter went on, about, uh, went on to the roof to pray. He became hungry and wanted something to eat. And while the meal was being prepared, he fell into a trance. He saw heaven opened up and something like a large sheet being let down to earth by its four corners. It contained all kinds of four-footed animals, as well as reptiles and birds. Then a voice said to him, get up, Peter, kill and eat. Surely not, Lord, Peter replied. I've never eaten anything impure or unclean. The voice spoke to him a second time. Do not call anything impure that God has made clean. This happened three times. And immediately the sheet was taken back to heaven. While Peter was wondering about the meaning of this vision, the men sent by Cornelius found out where Simon's house was and stopped at the gate. They called out asking if Simon, who was known as Peter, was staying there. While Peter was thinking about the vision, the spirit said to him, Simon, three men are looking for you. So get up and go downstairs. Do not hesitate to go with them for I have sent them. Peter went down and said to the men, I'm the one you were looking for. Why have you come? The men replied, we have come from Cornelius, the centurion. He's a righteous and God-fearing man who's respected by all the Jewish people. A holy angel told him to ask you to come to his house so that he could hear what you have to say. Then Peter invited the men into the house to be his guests. 
This is the word of God for us, the people of God. And together we say, thanks be to God. We are journeying through this new series about the Holy Spirit. And what I kind of realize when we talk about biblical interpretation, anytime we're in conversations about the Bible, whether it's with our friends or our family or even at church, we all tend to gravitate to a lot of the same questions. Why is God so violent in the Old Testament and so loving in the New Testament? What's the deal with free will and predestination? How come women are supposed to cover up their heads and men aren't? And inevitably, someone will ask, why are we allowed to eat certain types of meat and others like Jewish people can't? And that final question is very important for our scripture lesson this morning. In fact, it's today's feature in our lesson this today. But this treatment of what should we eat gets into a much deeper water than just the types of meat that are best. For the Jewish person and for us Christians today, it presents a much more important question about the nature of cleanliness. It makes us stop and ask, what should be considered clean and who, I mean, and what is considered unclean? So this morning, I would like to preach from the subject, the look of love. The look of love. Will you pray with me? Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight. O Lord, our strength and our redeemer. We thank you for your word. May it always be a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And all God's people said, hit that heart button. That means amen. That's, or you can type amen. Let's just, this is my, I need those verbal affirmations. I can't see them now, but they'll feel good later on, right? It makes me know like that we're all engaged. We're all in it together. Bruce, I just need you to be shouting out amen, brother. All right? So let me start off the whole sermon by saying this. I have never been the world's most clean person. Right? I've spoken anecdotally about this before, about how I used to have a laundry chair and I have a general untidiness, which pairs perfectly with my wife Bree's hyper tidiness. However, though I was not always the cleanest of people, I did have a certain standard for which I would not fall beneath, right? There was a minimum threshold. But notice how I said I did have standards, as in like past tense. Even messy me used to have ways in which I wouldn't, a level of dirty that even I wouldn't go to. I had standards of cleanliness that now seem like a distant memory because you see my standards of cleanliness and uncleanliness drastically changed two years ago. Prior to two years ago, if food was left on the table or on the floor, it was something unbecoming in a civilized kitchen or dining room, right? Now, almost every night, Food has become like a design pattern on our kitchen floor. Back in the BAR days, the before August rose days, a dirty diaper was one of the grossest things imaginable. Now, if everything stays inside the diaper, it no longer even registers on the gross chart. And before I became a parent, I could not tell you any time in my life that another human spit up the contents of their previous meal on my shirt. Now, I just designate certain shirts as not wearable in public. You see, in my mind, cleanliness and uncleanliness are very subjective. They shift based on my season of life. They may be influenced by cultural standards of acceptability, but ultimately I decide what I think is clean and unclean. But this was not exactly the case for the Israelite people. 
is it's not just about whether their room was picked up or how their house looked, but there's a whole new other way of thinking about what does it mean to be clean and unclean that had no subjectivity at all. And it was about ritual purity. It was about a way of understanding what does it mean to be right with God based on being pure or impure. The people who were in this first passage of Acts that we read this morning, somebody known as Simon, who we often consider called Peter. He's also called Peter in this passage. He's visited by three men on a mission to bring him back to the centurion Cornelius. Cornelius is a, a leader in the Roman army and was stationed at Caesarea. And the fascinating thing about this Cornelius guy is that he was a Roman and a Roman officer and also a person who worshiped a God other than Caesar. He's described as being God fearing. He gave generously to those in need and prayed regularly. But the thing is, Cornelius is a Gentile, not a Jew. Yet he is described here as being in a relationship with the one true God. And as hard as that would have been to believe by the people in the first century, the next part would be significantly more galling. As the men were on their journey to find Peter, the scene skips over to where Simon Peter is hanging out in Joppa. The text says he became hungry, he wanted something to eat. And so he went up on the roof and was waiting for the food. But while the food was being prepared, he fell into a deep trance and he saw heaven opened up and this big sheet full of food was lowered down and on it were all sorts of animals, things in which Peter had never eaten before, all because they were considered unclean. And so he's not going to eat it. But God says to him, Peter, get up, kill and eat. It's a little violent for sure, but you get the point. He's telling him, you can have whatever is here. The voice is giving Peter permission to do something he's never done. So Peter's taken aback and he says, I've never eaten anything impure or unclean. Basically, Peter is saying, I know the rules. I know what's right and I know what's wrong. I know what I should do and I know what I should not do. My parents and my church and my community, they told me what I'm supposed to do and what I'm not supposed to do. Peter's having a vision from God and saying, hey, I know this is a direct encounter with the divine or whatever, but you're telling me something different than what I've been taught. So whatever you're saying must not be right. But the voice claps back. He says, do not call anything impure that God has made clean. All of a sudden he snaps out of this vision. And when he did, the three men from Cornelius had made their way to Peter's place. And before he sees them and meets them, the Holy Spirit says to him, hey, there are these three men that are looking for you. They're going to ask you to go with them. Don't hesitate. Just go. And when the men asked for him to join them, that's exactly what he did. The very next day, he went with them to see the Roman centurion. At first, this account of the vision about dietary restrictions, it seems to be an odd interjection into the story about some people going to find Peter, right? We have a centurion, we have people on a journey, and all of a sudden you have Peter and he's having this dream and there's meat coming down and now he can eat it and he's not supposed to be. When in fact, the vision is perhaps the most illuminating part of this whole story. You see, Jews and Gentiles, they do not associate with one another. 
Peter was a Jew. Cornelius was a Gentile. If the messengers had to come to Peter before the vision, who knows if he would have gone with them or not. The centurion was unclean and Peter knew right from wrong. He knew he was clean and that Cornelius was not. In fact, just a few verses later, he says as much when he addressed a whole group of people outside the centurion's house. He says in verse 28, you are well aware that it is against our law for a Jew to associate with or visit a Gentile. But God has shown me that I should not call anyone impure or unclean. So when I was sent, I came without raising any objection. Because of one encounter with the Holy Spirit, Peter's entire worldview changed in an instant. I mean, that's the type of power this other person of the Trinity carries. That is what can happen when someone has an experience with the Holy Spirit. Peter went his whole life thinking one way, living one way, believing one way. His parents, his teachers, his Sunday school leaders, his youth minister, his pastor, his friends, his family, they all said, this is what the Bible says to do. So this is what we must do. But then Peter encounters the Holy Spirit and he says, do not call anything impure that God has made clean. And in an instant, everything changed. You know, last week we said that the main feature of the way in which the Holy Spirit leads us is through propulsion. It moves us, it directs us, it inspires us. What if propulsion is also meant to change us? What if like Peter, we've been thinking our whole lives one way and the Holy Spirit is trying to propel us into a new direction? Earlier I said that my standards of cleanliness are just that, they're my standards. They change based on my season of life. But what if the way God wants us to understand what's clean and what's not clean, not just from a in our house perspective, but from a who matters perspective. What if God provides us with a little more objectivity to what we should consider and who we should consider to be clean or unclean. For Peter, in the same way that meat was considered to be unclean and impure, so too were the Gentiles. Basically anyone that wasn't Jewish, anyone that wasn't like Peter, anyone who didn't look like him or talk like him or act like him or think like him, they were the other. But then God offered some new objectivity, some new clarity, some new, definitiveness to a rule superimposed with human subjection. And he said, actually, the standard of who is clean and not clean is much broader than how you've defined it. The standard is this, do not call anything impure that I have made clean. How often do we consider things or really people to be impure just because we've been taught our whole lives that they are. We've been conditioned to believe that certain groups of people, or in fact, anyone who's not us, anyone who's not like us, who doesn't think like us or talk like us, that those are the people that are impure, wrong, unclean. But what God is saying to us is do not call anyone impure 
if I made them, they should be considered clean because we are all created with the image of God. As we said last week, our hope for this series is that it will propel us forward as individuals and as a church. That through this time in the book of Acts, that together we will be able to discern the movement of the Holy Spirit. But in order to be able to do that, we need to hear from you. Michael, the staff and I, we're not just discerning these things by ourselves. We are a church that communicates about these things. And so we really do want you to text or email us each week with answers to the questions that we've been coming up with to help us discern where the Holy Spirit is propelling us. And so this week, I really do, I want you to text 29988 the answer to the following question. Who in your life or in the life of our church should we see as clean rather than impure? God sent Peter to the centurion. God sent Peter to a person that he otherwise would not have seen almost entirely because he thought he was unclean. So who might we have overlooked or disregarded because we did not think that they were the people with whom we should associate? Who in your life might God be sending you to see? And who might be saying this person is worthy of all the love that God has to offer? Regardless of whatever impurity or whatever subjective society has placed upon them. I pray that you will answer this question with us and to do so honestly. I mean, I know it seems weird that, that we're asking you to text during church and you can wait till afterwards, that's totally fine. But I hope that everybody in the church will consider these things together so that we as a community can journey on this path. We don't have all the answers right now. That's what discernment means. But we believe that one of the places God is propelling us, no matter where we land, is to see the unseen, to be in relationship with those whom we may have previously thought of as unclean. I pray that we will be able to hear the words the Spirit said to Peter and recognize that it is not our prerogative to decide that anything God has made should be considered impure. May we be the church that intentionally chooses to see the unseen and be with the unclean. May we be the people that God wants to, to share the kingdom with this entire creation and know that in all things, God is uniting us just as he did the early church He's still uniting this church and this city and this country and this world. So I pray that we will continue on this journey together. Will you pray with me? Lord, we thank you that you are leading us in new directions, that you are helping us to see things that were previously unseen or to see people we didn't know were even there. Help us to see all people, to see all people, not to overlook, not to walk by, 
but to see all people and know that each of us were created in the image of God. We pray these things in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen.